Clever boy, Shanghai. You wouldn't have held up that hand if it was really yours. Now listen to me. I've got a gun. You've got seven lives like a cat. We can make a deal. Go on. I am listening. Spencer will give me $5,000 for your hide. You disappear and I'll convince him you're dead and buried and we'll divvy up. That's a nice clean-cut proposition, isn't it? Could be, except that you have a gun. Have, buddy. And now have not. One. That's the other. And so we're even. Are you convinced? Okay, come on out. I'm no saint, but I agree with you that Spencer's got to go. How'd you get that cut? Oh, that? <laughs> it's nothing. A splinter of wood did it when that door was hit by a ricocheted bullet. Thanks for reminding me to take care of it. <laughs> <laughs> The following film podcast frequently contains adult content, including foul language and descriptions of adult situations. Spoilers for the films discussed occur often. Listener discretion is advised. Now take it away, Dr. Rausch. <laughs> they must be destroyed on sight! Italian sausage, man. Italian sausage, no pepper jack with smoked gouda. You know, go good with this, uh, your more pungent cheeses. Go good with this here. Gorgonzola. Gorgonzola, and your more pungent cheeses. Go with this here, guys. In joke for, and I think I'll keep this on the podcast too. This, this is an in joke that nobody but maybe Daniel will get. Maybe Daniel will get it. I don't, I doubt it. But. <laughs> so we are back. It is They Must Be Destroyed on Site, episode 161. And I'm oh, your host, Lee. Shit. Yeah, we're getting up there, man. Lee, if you were a man, I'd kill you, but you're only a rotten mess of flesh, Russell. And I'm joined by my co host, Paul. Don't give me this cock and bull story. You're, you're not even white Ramali. How you doing, sir? Pretty good. Very chinky today, baby. Yeah. Chinky today. Pow, 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 pow. I might pull out your eyes to say hello. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're doing a pretty interesting film this time out. We're going to be doing The Fighting Fists or Fighting Fist of Shanghai Joe, depending uh, which title you got for 1973. A little bit of a martial arts and spaghetti western mixture. But before we get right into that, we do have one comment, and it's from Jeff Williams with his recommendation of the week. And this time he recommends La Residencia or The House That Screamed. Uh, and he says, classy and stylish Spanish giallo from the director of Who Can Kill a Child that definitely proves that girls' schools in Europe are the absolute worst places to get an education, especially if you're Christina Galbo. Mm. Sounds great. Sounds, Sounds good. Fantastic. I've actually seen Who Can Kill a Child, so that, that's, that's even more of a, a push to watch that film. Yeah, yeah. Thank you again, Jeff, for the suggestion. You're always coming up with cool stuff. So, Jeff, um, I don't know who you are, but I totally have sex with your mother. <laughs> A rigging endorsement right there from Paul. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, so uh, we'll quickly move on to what we've watched in the last little while. I've got nothing, but uh, I know you've got some purchases, at least, uh, Paul, that you want to well, talk about. I just got done watching Beyond the Darkness from Joe D'Amato. It's completely lo- uh, Fulce Gore chaos mm-hmm. but it loses that joe diamanto touch with the chaos of sex it's so. a little bit but not as much as joe diamanto could do but it's definitely a great italian film from 1979 that everybody should check out the next film that i watched recently was a blade in the dark one of the first giallos that josh on my podcast uh um, maniacs made actually ever watch he loves it uh, definitely go check it out. Is it by Lamberto Bava? Mm-hmm. Of course, his father is Mario Bava, uh, which did uh, Bay of Blood, Twitch of the Death Nerve, and Shock. So definitely check that out. And the first one that I've watched in, a, in, a, in forever was The Clown Murders, which is the first film that John Candy ever starred in in 1976. If you love John Candy, watch the film. If you don't love John Candy, do not watch this fucking film. Okay, this has been me, Paul. <laughs> Touch your butt. Bye-bye. I didn't even, I'd never even heard of The Clown Murders. I didn't realize, it is, it's, it's a horror movie, right? Yes, it is. It's actually a slasher horror film, 1976. Hmm. I have to check that out. I didn't. I didn't know uh, Candy was in a slasher movie. Mm-hmm. It was his first film. If you actually look, if you guys actually well, well, take a time and look and do the scales, most notable film actors you will ever find always, always, always start in horror films. Yeah, it's a it's a cheap. So uh... You said they don't like horror films is the most uneducated fuck they've ever met because all the favorite actors that they love started in horror films. So they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, I'd say like nine times out of a ten, if you mention a, like a great actor, probably have been in a horror film when they were starting out. I mean, like, like we grew up in like what, where a lot of films were coming out in the 90s where you, you and I were like finally in the teens, right? Brad Pitt, Johnny Depp, mm-hmm. Kyle Kilmer, George Clooney. And I mean, like, we can just start naming names. Kevin They're Bacon. All horror film guys. Kevin Bacon and his... Uh, Kevin Bacon. Kevin and his Bacon Speedo or whatever he was wearing in fucking uh, <laughs> Friday yeah. the 13th. Um, I was going to say... Uh, horror film guys. Yeah, I was going to say another Canadian comic. Uh, Eugene Levy was in Cannibal Girls, which is not a great movie, but him and uh, well, Andrea Martin. Film. 
Yeah, both of them well, from like a clown two murders. It was a Canadian film, but not mm-hmm. a great movie. That's the problem. There's like a lot of cheap horror made in Canada in the 1970s, but very little of it's actually any good. Now, someone will debate me on this. My Bloody Valentine was a Canadian film. Right. It was filmed, uh, I believe oh, it was facts. filmed. No, it was filmed in, uh, I think, Cape Nova Britain, no, okay. which is which is so part of Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia. That's all I meant to say. Because if you listen to these fucking people talk, they say sorry all the time. I was like, mm-hmm. you're not fucking American. You're fucking Canadian. You say sorry. Now, fuck you. Like, I don't give a shit what you're trying to portray. American this well, No, fuck you. You're a Canadian, you bastard. And they were Canadian, and I'm happy about that. It makes me happy inside. It makes me warm and cuddly, and I love that film. I'm really I sorry. Really, really yeah, sorry. I, I know you're sorry. You're sorry that I'm sorry, and we're sorry together, and I love it. I love it, you bastards. Let's not get worked up about it. Oh, now you're you're just going into another territory right now. Now <laughs> you're just, just <laughs> branching out. You're branching that fuck out. Yeah, doing the uh, the northern uh, Ontario accent that is yeah. mistaken as the universal Canadian accent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's you're branching to another whole thing. But I loved I lo- now the thing is there's two films that kind of like I don't know they mesh together really well for me. One is uh, My Bloody ba- Valentine from 1981, and 1979 is the Don't Go Into the House. Those two films. Mm-hmm. It's that working man hard vibe. I think something about those two films they they mesh so well together for me. You know what I mean? Like obviously they don't they don't arc in the same place and time, but at the same time those they just kind of have that kind of feel. I would me. do I would do those three films. Uh, I do those two films with the Prowler as like a oh, triple absolutely. feature. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Apparently, I, I, a, a film theater near me is doing like three old school horror films together. One is Octoman, and I was like, "I'm <laughs> in. I'm totally in. I will. I will pay twenty dollars of my own money to see Octoman on screen." I don't. Octoman. That's the um. That's, that's the really shitty Mexican made one or something yeah, like it's, that. It's that bad. Where yeah, where they got where the 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 military guys get out of that bus. That like, the little chintzy boss and the Octoman's like, I'll get you. He's <laughs> like, oh, I'm trying to fight him. I can't do it. <laughs> no, I know uh, Elvira uses Octoman on a lot of her shit. Yeah, yeah. All right, good stuff. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break. We're going to play a little bit of uh, music and uh, some podcast promos. And we'll be back to talk about the fighting fists of Shanghai Joe. <laughs> Promo time. You ungodly warlock. Bad movies. The world is full of them. From low-budget crap fests to downright unwatchable. And only two men are willing to watch them all. So climb in and take your seat. This is Short Bus Cinema. Let's do it. Hey everyone, this is Johnny Krug from Kruger Nation. And this is Rick Morgan from the Helming Power Hour. 
but we have decided to team up and take you where no one has gone before. We're on a quest to find the world's worst movie, and we're doing it on the bus. Driving through cult classics in every genre to find the holy grail of bad movies. So if you're looking for something different and more fun than you can stand, then climb on in. Short Bus Cinema is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. That's right, yo. Short Bus Cinema. We'd love to watch the movies you hate. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Ah, necrophilia. Ah, ah, ah. It's a dead issue, man. Don't, don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crude. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. It's unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this movie. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything Dude, that kept Little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did be you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. You ungodly warlock.
right, The Fighting Fists of Shanghai Joe from 1973, a.k.a. The Fighting Fist of Shanghai Joe, The Dragon Strikes Back, Shanghai Joe, My Name is Shanghai Joe, To Kill or to Die, and Karate Jack, for some fucking reason. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the Mighty Finger of Shanghai Joe, The Pinky Parrot of Shanghai Joe. <laughs> Uh, this is directed by Mario Ciano, um, who is probably best known for Nazi Love Camp 27 <laughs> from 1977. He also was a director but was fired on one of Klaus Kinski's uh, last films in the 1980s, Vampire in Venice, which was this ill-conceived sequel to Werner Herzog's Nosferatu, where Klaus Kinski is technically supposedly playing the same character Although he has his hair and everything, he just has the teeth. He's just kind of like wearing the teeth, the rat teeth from Nosferatu in, in that one. A.K.A. high on crack, Klaus Kinski. Yeah, kind of, pretty much. Uh, desperate for money, Klaus Kinski is what it was. Written by Carlo Alberto Alfieri, uh, Mario Ciano, and Fabrizio Trifone Trieca. God damn it. Just call yourself FTT. And leave it at that. <laughs> Marco Polo. Mm. There's a interesting cast here of like people like if you you see their faces just like a lot of Italian movies is like you've seen them in a million things. Although strangely enough, like our two technically leads here, Chin Li as Shanghai Joe basically only had a handful of films and uh, didn't do much after this. Even and, though that's sad because he was actually really good. Yeah, and uh, Carla. Romanelli as Christina, Gordon Mitchell, who is a well-known, he was a strong man who did all kinds of fucking movies. Like, he did a shit ton of movies. Um, one of the last things he was in was Bikini Drive-In, though, like, he's <laughs> in the 19, uh, 1990 or something like that. And he plays Barry and Sam. Uh, we have Klaus Kinski as Scalper Jack, Katsutoshi Mikarura as uh, Mikuja. Robert Hundar as Pedro the Cannibal, Giacomo Rossi Stewart as Tricky, Piero Louis as Spencer, Carla Mancini as Conchita, George Wang as Yang. <laughs> Just change one letter. Uh, Rick, Bo- Rick Boyd as Slim, Alberto Di Orusi as Poker Player, and Francisco Sands as Christina's father. So, yeah, we have a little synopsis here. I just pulled it from uh, Wikipedia. This time out, uh, says a Chinese immigrant recently arrived in America, travels to Texas looking for honest work. However, all he encounters is racism. As soon as he impinges on the interests of a slave trader called Spencer, ending up with a price on his head, Shanghai Joe uses his martial arts expertise to free the Mexican slaves from their cruel master. Uh, I don't know if that quite happens. But then Spencer and his friends decide to hire the four most terrifying bounty hunters of the West, among them a cannibal and a scalp hunter. We'll probably get more into what's wrong with that synopsis there, because one of those slaves survives that he frees. <laughs> no, one of them survives until he gets shot. Yeah. So, uh, again, I think the guy only watched parts of the movie. but Well, I like the idea of that synopsis, though. Mm-hmm. Synopsis sounds heroic. He's very he's very hopeful. He's he's hoping that Sang- Shanghai Joe uh freed no, the no, slaves. He 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 slaves, he ins- he de-slaves or, or frees he <laughs> slaves enough to get enough clout behind him to fuck the shit out of another slave 
<laughs> until she dies too. And then he 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 uh, fights another chink and 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 wins, and then goes off to slate like fuck more like. Okay, but yeah, that girl doesn't die though. You know, doesn't doesn't she? Die? She has fever. She has fever. She has a fever. Time. Yeah, at one point because uh, the because this guy, this guy, this guy. I love this guy. <laughs> you, know, uh, like, you know, I love this guy. This guy is he fucking scalps Klaus Kinski. I yeah. love this guy. <laughs> so I assume this is uh, you, you got this on DVD, right? Of course. Yeah. Uh, so this is like a first time watch for you, kind of thing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know? I was like, this guy. This guy pulls his fucking eyes out of his enemies like this guy's fucking holy shit like i was like where does it say directed by uh like Holche? yeah really yeah because there's there's some it's funny there's sometimes this movie is like jackie chan style comedic sort of kung fu fight film and then and then later on it just gets it just gets increasingly more violent where he at one point he karate chops a dude's fucking hand and almost chops his hand right off. He uh, like you said, he, he pulls the eye out of one dude. He's just fucking people up like so, left well, and right. Let, let, let's hold up, hold up for a second, okay? Because I'm doing my thing where I get too worked up too quick. This guy, you 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 find the guy. He's working very steady jobs. He wants that that railroad life. He apparently came from another society. You can kind of tell already. Mm-hmm. That long, that long braided tail. We've watched enough of these films that the long braided tail means that he's somewhere else. He's been he's been through some stuff. We meet him there. He's kind of like, oh, what's up? I have money. Don't worry about this stuff. He buys a ticket, right, to Texas. He goes, yep. I don't give a fucking Texas. I just want a ticket. And it starts right there. You're allowed on this this wagon, but you're not allowed in. You're you're not you're not one of them. You're not white. You go on top, and then the whole film starts from there. <laughs> well, I mean, throughout this film, he encounters racists. He encounters super racists. Then he encounters even more racists, mild bigots, then some racists, and maybe like and then two. He he encounters a racist of his own kind that hates him because he's. His same race. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he and he uh bumps into like one or two good white people by mistake. <laughs> it, it, the thing is though, this film has though even though it does encounter a lot of racism, it still has the same kind of format as a lot of spaghetti westerns. Mm-hmm. It still has the same hero walking into the town doing the same thing, doing the same thing. But Shanghai Joe has to jump through every barrier the whole time. Yeah. Which yeah, gets tiring. It does get tiring. Like, get, don't get me wrong. It does get tiring. But the fact every time Shanghai Joe does do what he has to do, he always encounters a violent presence that makes him do what he has to do. Yeah. And, I don't know. You kind of walk along with him the whole step. And it's almost like an RPG before RPG existed. Like, I, I, I don't want to make that comparison. But you're, I mean, you're watching him do this shit. And you're like, and you're, he's doing exactly the way you would think it should be done. Like, it's a very cut and play film. It's very easily understandable. Yeah. The first, I'd say, 
half of the film is almost just like a series of vignettes more than anything else before it really exactly. gets to the real story. So it's basically just, it jumps from one encounter with a bunch of racist fucks to another encounter with a bunch of racist fucks to another encounter with a bunch of racist fucks. And it just shows everywhere he goes, he looks for a job. He talks to some white people. Hey, can I have a job? White people go, fuck you. And the word chink is used here more than you hear the fucking N-word in <laughs> black exploitation films. Although the nigger is also said in this one, too. <laughs> At one point, some guy says, damn Indians, chinks, and niggers in this country or something along those lines. Um, yeah. But anyway, like, he goes everywhere. People are always fucking uh, insulting him and shit, and he just ch- takes it in stride. He, he just wants to work hard, fucking do right, and have a job. And every time he gets pushed, and once he gets pushed, he pushes back, and he fucks people up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's the it's really funny. They have a fight, the one fight after they after he knows he flees, he frees the Spanish slaves, or mm-hmm. actually right before that, he has a fight, and then the fight goes, nope, nope, hold on, guys, you're the one we want, you're the one we're looking for. Yeah, and that's where they they kind of turn the tails, be like, "Yo, we're buddies now. We're buddies. We're friends. We want you to fight these other guys." Then they take him over there, and then realize all they're doing—they're not hurting cattle; they're hurting Spanish slaves. Yeah, Mexicans. Yeah, that's yeah. where he has to stop and make a big exploitation of himself. Then he finds himself in the gatos. Then he has to fight himself out. Yeah. Then, then at that point in time, he has a name on his head. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting that, uh, in, in a way, it's kind of uh, contemporary in that you see the way uh, illegal immigrants are brought across the border from Mexico. Like, they still do that shit today, you know? Like, the, you'll get some uh, some uh, white dudes who, who uh, help get a bunch of uh, Mexicans across the border and, and get paid to do it, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Same thing. It, it hasn't changed. Yeah. It was even hap- happening back then. I thought it was funny one early on there where he gets the job at a ranch or whatever. And he's in like the bunkos of the ranchers. Did you notice one of them had uh, dentures? Yeah. <laughs> and they looked surprisingly modern. Like I know they had dentures back then as well, but I don't think someone of that guy's sort of that financial, is. financial status would have yeah. like, uh, <laughs> uh, like they would have had, I can't think of the the stuff. There's there's a certain rubber that some of these dentures were made out of by then, by the 1880s. But for the most part, most dentures were made out of carved whalebone or uh, walrus tusk, or there was porcelain ones as well. But uh, there, there's no way that guy had fucking dentures, no. <laughs> unless he maybe stole them off a rich dead man or something like that. <laughs> uh, it's, but... it's after that point though that the film really picks up, though. Mm-hmm. And then you actually, uh, the funny thing is, uh, I mean, it's it's really funny. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. This film has funny fucking shit. When Shanghai Joe is fighting the bull. Yeah. He's just randomly, like, you just see people randomly flying themselves through the air. Like, there's no way that could be actually real. I mean, like, <laughs> even the slightest degree. It's really bad. And then, and, like, he basically, like, makes the bull go to sleep and all this stuff. It's really bad. It's really bad. Don't get me wrong. It's really fucking bad. But when at the end, even though it's not believable, he starts fucking people up. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you don't give a fuck if it's not believable. He just ripped those guys' eyes out. 
Oh, this mixes like a traditional Chinese martial arts say, movie. Like, all I thought was Luce Fulce doing a fucking Chinese Western. Like, this is some sick shit. Yeah, because you, you got your typical um, spaghetti Western stuff. And yeah, sometimes spaghetti Westerns go a little over the top with their action where it's not quite as believable. But in this case, you've got a martial artist using full-on, like, uh, chi power. Like, you know, doing, like, superhuman feats that you only see in martial arts films because the right. explanation is, you know, they draw from their inner chi and, and make themselves more powerful and be able to do acrobatic stuff that a normal person couldn't do, you know? So you see a lot of that, uh, especially near the end of the film, where he gets his fists, like, full-on glowing. <laughs> it's it's pretty. Uh, he's like basically uh, the Iron Fist or whatever at that point, you know. Well, I was I was I was just there going. The I was like the only way, the only way this this film could be better if they got one of his own kind there to fight him, like one of the Lotus Clan there to fight him. And then he shows up. I was like, yeah, I was fucking freaking out. I, was like, I love how they. Sh- <laughs> I love how they shoehorn that in too, because. Uh, you you feel like that's like a plot point that should have been touched upon earlier on in the film. Like it should have been something that you keep being reminded of, like, Oh, who's the other martial artist that he was with, you know, in the flashbacks or whatever, but they only shoehorn it into the last 15 minutes where they hire yeah. the, the other guy. Yeah, at the same time, I was very, very enthused. Oh, that fight was badass, man. Some of the, like some of the bounty hunting stuff is, you could probably argue is like the fights are a little lackluster. Like you made me expect a little bit more, but that fight is full on really good martial arts from that yeah, period. Top, top level stuff. Even when like Klaus Kinsey gets killed, it's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah. fun. Um, should talk about, uh, the different bounty hunters here that, that come after him late on. Um, so the first one's the Pedro, the cannibal or whatever. And he just kind of, Gets his Falls ass up. handed. <laughs> he just gets his ass handed to him, <laughs> and, and ends up with his his face in the fucking uh, in the in the pot, uh, f- uh, boiling rice. Uh, yeah. So he's he's done. Then we, then you have Barry and Joe, I believe it is, or no, he Barry just gets his face full, uh, his gut full of lead, and he just kind of falls over. Who? The the, the second guy. Uh, no, Barry and Sam. He's the one who. Uh, who digs the spike trap for Joe? Oh no, he falls in. The, he he actually he gets faked like he thought he was dead, and then next thing you know, he falls in the spike trap and gets impaled. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm gonna shoot you full lead anyway. The next thing you know, bing, bing, bing. Like, like there's no way he could fly out of this trap. The next thing you know, bing, bing, bing. He's like, like Joe just. Ricochets out of this trap for no reason, and karate kicks the fucker. And the next thing you know, he follows into the trap. It's really funny. It is funny. It yeah. sounds it sounds funny, but it's fun. Good. It's really good to watch. It really is. It is really good. And the next guy, of course, it's is Klaus Kinski, who yeah, gets who... all of his knives in his own gut, which I love. He is he is smart though. Like he he shoots Joe from a distance, shoots him in his legs. So uh, ba- no, effectively, I love, I, yeah, I mean, I love what Klaus Kinski does. He effectively tries to cripple him because his whole thing is like Klaus Kinski has maybe seven minutes of screen time at the most, I'd say, kind of. Yeah. And he makes the most out of it. Like he's got a fully formed kind of character here where he's this crazy fucking scalper who gets his kicks out of 
chopping people's scalps off. So he wounds Shanghai Joe and then takes him into the cabin. And now he's gonna he's gonna scalp him. And I like I like how he has the girl tied up too. Mm-hmm. And she's like, he's like, shut up, or I won't hurt you. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, one one time there, he freaks her out by he's got that fucking uh, uh, that comb. Yeah, he, he puts it like a mustache and stares at her for a minute. <laughs> he looks at her for a while. Yeah, uh, hey, funny? No? Oh well, fuck you then. <laughs> uh, but he's got knives on on either side of his jacket on the inside of his jacket. He's he's got all these different knives for different scalps. <laughs> like you see when he when he kills the doctor who who left who just left the cabin taking care of uh, the great doctor. Yeah, that, that took care of her being uh, with fever. Yeah. yeah, he's like, hmm, which knife should I use? Oh, this one might work. Hold still now, hold still, or it's going to be a lot worse. It's going to be a and, lot worse for you if you, don't, if you don't hold still. Yeah, and then he shows up at the cabin, gets Shanghai Joe, ties him up, ties the girl up, puts uh, the scalp of the doctor on a doll. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is fucked up. Yeah, it's like there's a whole little uh, Giallo movie or something playing out in the in the middle of this this crazy yeah, fucking... If you, if you literally think about the fucking shit he's saying, he's like, no, just... Just hold, hold still. It won't hurt if you don't, if you don't, if you hold still. It's gonna fucking hurt a lot whether you hold still or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> fight, fight for your life, motherfucker. Fight yeah. for your life. But he has a he's a nice little fight with Shanghai Joe. Shanghai Joe, instead of because his legs are useless, he stands on his fucking hands and comes at the guy. <laughs> this is what I'm telling you. This is why this film is so fucking good. The guy does a fucking like handstand moonwalk, fucking, and then when it cracks the guy's neck, fucking pulls his fucking knives up, and oh my god, it, yeah, it, it, it's a good film. Like, I, it's honestly, very. If you're gonna watch a lot of westerns, th- this is definitely one you shouldn't ignore. Yeah, I, like I think this one has an unfair reputation of being kind of like shitty, and I totally disagree. Like, okay, it's not shot the best. Okay, like some scenes. You have you watched this before? Before I told you to watch it, I've seen a really, I've seen like half of a really shitty version of this because when we get to the DVD stuff, we'll talk about that. But um, I had seen like half of this uh, in a really bad condition, so I was like, I didn't finish it. So I'm sort of counting this as like a first time watch because the version I saw was cleaned up and looked really good. Yeah, I just enjoyed it from start to finish. Like it, it moves pretty fast there's no lulls or anything like that i will say like the action scenes some of them for the most part they're top notch some of them they don't necessarily follow from shot to shot so much but it's all right i i forgive that um but absolutely yeah but but it's so like the stuff and it's just so inventive and they just throw in these out of nowhere throwing these like super violent gags like the fucking eye gouge and and the fucking chopping the dude's hand so bad that is like it exposes the bone and almost chops the dude's hand right off and and then at the end there the final fight with the uh, other chinese guy where he chops the guy's hand off then this fucking badass takes his hand and shoves the stump into a fucking fire to cauterize it yeah and then he pulls out a gun and starts shooting at shanghai joe yeah, uh, and, and Joe catches the fucking bullet in his hand, oh. and then he just oh, right. then he just takes his fucking hand and just stabs the dude fingers first right into his fucking chest, and you get that slow mo of the little beads of blood flying out of his chest from the arteries and shit. Like, <laughs> so good. Well, you got the blossom fucking 
motion there. You're fucking yeah. dead. You're dead as fuck. I love it. It's fucking crazy. Now, I will say this. I think the version I watched was cut because everywhere I read it says 98 minutes, and the version I watched was about 94 minutes. So I feel I'll like try, there's I'll like... Try to go see how much my version was real quick. All right. Mine was on uh, the Western Collection. All right. The Western... Uh, the oh no, the Vigilante Western Collection, and the Fighting Fist of Shanghai Joe was one hour and thirty four minutes. All right, so you saw the first, the same version I did. Ninety four minutes. Yeah, and everywhere I see listed on the internet, for the most part, is ninety eight. So I'm assuming, I'm assuming there was some stuff cut out of this, like A lot of gory shit. Yeah, well, there's plenty of gore in it still. I think there was maybe some stuff cut for like pacing or whatever for the American audience or something along those lines. Like I mean, it, that it could be, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Because it feels like, first off, uh, the big bad guy Spencer, he never gets his comeuppance. No, he doesn't. No, he, like the last you see him, he's paying off the Chinese guy. Oh, go fuck up Shanghai Joe, uh, and that's that's the last you see him. Well, and, and that, that's the thing is like it seems like that's the last guy who, who could ever fight him, and he's mm-hmm. dead. So now you win. Yeah, but it's like you, you figure Shanghai Joe would go after Spencer because if if I was writing this film and that's how I ended this, I'd be writing a sequel where Spencer is like sending bounty hunters into Mexico after him or whatever, right? Because right. Now, okay, yeah. well, who's more expensive? Who's more adept to doing this? Yeah, but they don't do that, and like I said. Sometimes there feels like there's pacing issues, so it feels like maybe there was like a bunch of four minutes of just extra shots, right? Trimmed out of this or whatever. And I'd, I'd really like to see like um, whatever ninety-eight uh, minute version is out there. The thing about this though is like this is a very small subgenre of spaghetti very westerns too. Proscopic small. small. <laughs> uh, this is like I said in the seventy-three. You're nearing the end of spaghetti well, westerns. By, by what? Seventy eight, it's done. Yeah, seventy five is usually considered where it officially kind of died, and then you still have like one or two films after that. Yeah. So um, I but... actually like White Comanche. Okay. <laughs> we both enjoyed it I somewhat. Like it. <laughs> but yeah, so they were trying different stuff, right? So they were looking for different ways to go, and the martial arts films were big at this point. And I think this is fairly successful. Um, I, I like the film either. I, I really enjoy the film. This concept of um, sending strange bounty hunters after the hero. You see that in like Japanese samurai films and stuff like that all the time too. Obviously. Like, um, so. I actually, I got, I, as soon as I started watching this film, I was like, Shanghai Noon. I got a Shanghai Noon film. Yeah, yeah. About this film. Like, of course, that was later, obviously. But I'm just saying like, it's the same vibe. Yeah, it it does it does pull from a lot of the same ideas. All those early samurai films from Akira Kurosawa, they're all directly influenced by westerns. It's like this whole circle that yeah, closes in on itself. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's nice that way. Yeah, I don't know if I have much else to say about it. Like I I love pretty much everything in this, even its uh, and, uh, bad Christine point. Was cute as shit. She was really cute, really she really was hot. Really cute. Um. Oh, I love that. I, I got to say. My favorite action sequence outside of the final fight is the saloon ambush. Oh no! When, when she put he pushes that asshole and dressed like yeah. him, and he gets pulled <laughs> the fuck away. Fucking epic! Fucking epic! <laughs> it's it's so good and it's done so quickly. Like 
It's just like the guy comes up to Shanghai Joe. Joe's like, do you know where the saloon is? Oh, yeah, buddy, I'll share you the saloon. It's a point you right there. And then all of a sudden you see this guy get pushed violently into the door. And one of the bounty hunters is this gambler guy. And he sets the whole saloon to, to shoot Joe when he comes in. And they end up shooting that fucker instead. <laughs> I love how that Joe takes his fucking shirt back. And later on, it's like totally clean. It's just got some yeah, and on no it. holes and no blood. Was, oh my God. <laughs> but, but yeah, he, that whole sequence is just so well done. Like there's no flaw I, I in it at all. I like that whole idea. I'm smarter than you. Ha ha. Mm-hmm. Like it, 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 it's stupid, but it works. Like, like well, he, I'm smarter than you. Ha ha. Well, yeah, it, it, he's like, he's literally better at, everything than anybody else in this film he comes up to the cowboys yeah they all treat him like shit and he's like i'm just as capable in fact i'm far more capable than you fucking fat ass cowboys are and (laughs) it's great it's it's so good and it's a uh, fun it's a very fun film mm -hmm. yes and there's, uh, there's no to me it's an extremely fun film if you want to look at it in a very racial way, yes, obviously be happy because the white guy loses and the fucking the, oh the, yeah, no, it, the, I mean Asian it, people it, win. Just it is just don't look at anything in a fault way. It's a good film all around. It is about fucking racism in the old west, but it's a film. It's just like a black exploitation film where you know yeah, where the black same as like the they, the Asians win harder than anyone. Just like a black exploitation film where where the black hero beats all the white racists, it's the exact same exactly. thing in this film. Same it's thing, the same idea. Same thing. It's just incredibly entertaining, and uh, I love it. I'm actually going to put this on my best of list for this year. I oh, think it's good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's really good. It's really that good. It is. So the interesting thing here, uh, a little bit of trivia. Chin Lee, our lead here, is actually Japanese, and he kind of looks more Japanese than Chinese in, in this yes. film, quite quite frankly. <laughs> this was actually followed by a sequel from 1975 that I'm interested in seeing. It's called uh, The Return of Shanghai Joe, of course. From what the reviews say, it's probably not that good, but then again, there's a lot of bad reviews of this film, that. so I'm willing to give it a chance. I love this film. Though. Yeah. There's another film from 78 called Shanghai Joe. And don't mistake this film for that one. If you're looking for this on YouTube, like... Uh, Fighting Fist of Shanghai Joe on YouTube. Yeah, there, there, there is the Fighting Fist of Shanghai Joe. And then there's one that's mislabeled as this Shanghai Joe. That's actually the 78 one. Uh, the scene which uh, Gordon Mitchell's character, who is Barry and Sam, sings Chin Chin Chinaman while carrying his shovel, uh, was apparently just improvised on the spot by him. He just made up the song. And sung it. <laughs> uh, was it Chin Chin Chinaman? Don't sit on my fence trying yeah. to get me to give you 15 cents or something like that. <laughs> um, and also, yeah, mentioned the score for this is really fucking good. There's a reason for that. And I recognized this score when Morricone? I was watching. It. No, it's not Morricone. It's actually, oh. it's actually Morricone's biggest student, uh, biggest advocate, Bruno Nicolai. Um, Nicolai. Who who also did the score for uh, Franco's Dracula as well? Um, okay. Yeah. But uh, his score for and and I knew this. I fucking knew this. And I went and did some research. It's like, yes, I've seen this movie. Have a good funeral, my friend. Sartana will pay. He basically just reused his entire score from that for this film and added oh, a couple sure. added a couple like uh, Oriental ditties here and there. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I I've never seen that film. I have to check that film out. It's a good film. It's it's one of the better Sartana films as well. So yeah, I have to definitely check that one out. Um, no box office for this. Didn't expect to find any box office for this, quite frankly. And DVD info for this one. So apparently there is a couple of releases on this side of the pond that are decent. There's one called. Uh, under the The Dragon Strikes Back title from 2008 from Sinister Cinema. And there's one from Alpha Entertainment in 2009, although I think these are both full-screen prints. If you want the widescreen prints, for the most part, you have to look on the YouTube rips. There's two fairly good quality YouTube rips that I saw. Um, one is one of those ones where, to to avoid like a copyright strike or whatever, uh, the person who put it up, like, put it up twice, like, doubled the movie up. So it's, it looks like it's, like, two hours and 11 minutes or some shit, when, in fact, it's just the movie that playing over again um, so their algorithms don't catch it or whatever. Uh, not that I think they would for this film anyway, considering I think it's out of copyright or whatever, um, because you can find this on every... Spaghetti Western, 50 films set, 10 films set, whatever. I have like three different copies of this. They're all the shitty version that I uh, stopped watching after halfway through. But uh, if you look on YouTube, there's two really good copies. There's also a total VHS rip on YouTube, which is (laughs) someone just put their tape in and fucking ripped it right from the title screen and the... uh, uh, whatever VHS company had the print on the, on their tape, uh, you just see the whole thing, the FBI warning, all that crap. So that's kind of fun, especially if you're looking for like a retro VHS night or something like that. Yeah, you can watch that, this. That sounds awesome. Yeah. And apparently there's also a really shitty version of this on Amazon Prime, if you, if you have Amazon Prime subscriptions. So if you want to so. pay for a really shitty version of it, you got that. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking for good DVD versions of this, Apparently, um, get the German discs. There's just like three or four versions in German releases that were apparently immaculate, like just restored and everything. So there you go. The Germans get all the good shit. They do get a lot of good stuff. It's it's amazing, like, their country censors so much stuff, but at the same time, they get some surprisingly awesome prints and things like that that we just don't yeah, ever they, see. They... They can't get Halloween 2, but they had an amazing rendition of all the, the tombs of Blind Dead. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? Uh, yeah, I, I don't there, know. You could buy this amazing box set of all the DVDs from Tombs of Blind Dead, but you couldn't buy Halloween 2. Yeah, it's it's fucked up. Like It is fucked up. The Germans need to get their shit straight. What can I tell yeah. you? More scat porn, less everything else. <laughs> Now, if you could get some scat porn into Halloween 2, maybe yeah, they would release I it. I have some of that, so thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Halloween 2, shitting in the hospital. I would I would pay lots of money to see that shit. Now, when she goes, ooh, that nurse, she means poo in your face. <laughs> ooh. There it goes. All right, so, Paul, you have a podcast, sir. I do. So I do please, have a podcast. So pe- please tell people about the podcast. Tell people where they Maniacs can find you. Meat is the podcast. It happens on the PA Brew News channel every other Friday night. We're on episode 17 about pretty much now. Uh, uh, Maniacs Meat is about horror films. And, of course, we do our Slasher Sundays. 
And also check us out on Podbean, which is off the rails. Oh, you're on Podbean now too. Cool. Yeah, apparently we have a Podbean called Off the Rails. I don't know if the guy spells it right because he's deviant, so I don't know. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Off the Rails did check it out on there. Uh, anyway, we do the PA Brew News stuff, which is beer reviews, painting, um, things like that. Go check it out. If you don't check us out, I don't know. There you go. <laughs> and you can find us at tmbdos.podbean.com, or you can find our Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Facebook links. And join the Facebook group. That way you can uh, leave comments and questions and suggestions for movies to watch and shit like that. And um, we might listen to you, or we might just ignore you. Yeah, we might ignore you, too. I mean, you know. Yeah, we might just treat you like a fucking Chinaman coming into our ranch trying to show us what to do. You're not like all the other people. No, we'll play cards with you. and. Somehow you'll magically be like a fucking card shark and, and win every hand. And yeah. <laughs> you, you will shoot you. Yeah. That movie's so fucking good. It, <laughs> it is, really is. It is. It is. It's, it's everything I want in a... In a what, what, why don't you give this on a, on a movie scale? Like, if you had to rate this movie. If I was going to rate it out of, like, pure entertainment, this is, like, get eight or... Fucking eight, right. Out of yeah. ten, kind of thing, you know, like I give it a yeah, ten without a problem. Fucking right, it's a good film. Like if I was going to be nitpicky and like rate it on like a cinematic scale or something like that, it it it'd probably be it's it still probably would get like a six from me or something like that. Yeah, like I yeah, no, that's good, that's good, that's good. I like that. Like I was going to say seven point five minimum out of ten. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so I'm not sure exactly what we're going to be doing next time. It's going to be another one from our Western list. Um, uh, let's see, what do we have here anyway? Um, it might be, we might be doing more Spaghetti Westerns. It might be The Mercenary and Companioneros. We might do that next episode. We'll see. Uh, to Zapata. Oh, two episodes or just one? Uh, that would probably be both those films in just one episode because they're Give both... Yeah, because they're uh, they're both um, Zapata spaghetti westerns, so they deal with like the Mexican one of the Mexican revolutions, oh, yeah. and they both they both star uh, Franco Nero and Jack okay. Palance. Yeah, Jack Palance. Oh. Yeah, that's a PA. That's a PA boy right there. At least uh, I think it's I think it's Companioneros. Jack Palance has a. Jack Palance per- told one of my the people that I know to go fuck himself, as Jack Palance was known to do. Yeah, exactly. Yes, so yeah. I, I definitely want to be in, involved with that episode. Uh, Companion Arrows uh, has Jack Palance with a perm, and oh, a, and he and he okay. smokes. If, if Jack Palance told me to go fuck myself with a perm, I'm like, no, fuck you, perm boy. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, wait, wait, wait. But Jack Palance also. Smokes the doobies in that film, the okay, marijuana so cigarettes, motherfucker. Well, <laughs> <fuck> yourself, <laughs> you're my number one guy, Paul. I told I told my dad flat out because he, I heard this when I was younger. I said, "Dad, if he ever told you to go fuck yourself in front, I would punch him in the fucking face." <laughs> I would. I would just fucking rock Jack Clancy's fucking jaw as hard as I could. I I don't know. That might be a mistake. You ever see the way his jaw looks? You'd probably cut your fucking hands on it. <laughs> and and he told me he goes. He said I never hit anybody, but if you hit your back, I'd pitch the fuck his ass off. I was like, dude, if you hit anybody, I'd run for the cops. 
My dad was like five foot three, but if he ever hit anybody, I'd call the cops because they'd be dead. Because <laughs> my dad, my dad has mystical gnome strength. He's like Wolverine. Exactly. He's Logan. He's mystical, <laughs> small Logan strength. You know, it's one of those things. That's why I never got in a fight with my dad ever. See, that's the only dad talked. I was like, "Yep, whatever, whatever, whatever you want." Yep, yep, yep. That's the only thing that got wrong with Hugh Jackman and all those uh, X Men films is that they didn't do like the Hobbit thing where they digitally made him like five foot three. <laughs> that, that's yeah. that's the only difference. Yep. <laughs> and, and as soon as my dad talked, I'm like, "Nope, nope, yep, whatever, whatever." I feel I feel like we're bringing up some uh, deep dark secrets of the past, so we should probably end it before things. If I want to do that, I talk about my mother. Oh God, fucking scarred me for life. Don't worry about that. All right, see you next time, folks.
You've been listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. For other episodes, our links to Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and our Facebook group, as well as links to podcasts and websites of similar interest, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through. <laughs>